0: Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today, our guest is Court Bowman, President of Cleveland Consulting. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, Matt. It's good to talk to you. I don't think we've had you on the podcast before, so it's good to chat. And you have a really amazing new tool that you just came out with called CC Pivot, which has, I guess, been out for about a month.
1: Yeah, been out for about a month. Thanks for the kind words. We're pretty excited about it. We've uh, we've just released it, and you know, had some pretty good sales so far, and had gotten some good feedback too. So, so what We're is Pretty it? excited. So what CC Pivot is, is it's a tool for building pivot table-like solutions right into FileMaker. FileMaker does a great job of displaying data the way FileMaker wants to display data. But there, there are certain holes in FileMaker's ability to s- display data that we thought needed filled. Um, with Charts, they added some ways to display data graphically. But what we're doing with CC Pivot is bringing the ability to display data in a classic Excel pivot table-like format. Um, And and I I think most users are aware of what that looks like, and I think this seems to be something that that they've been wanting for a while from the the feedback we're getting.
0: Yeah, basically switching columns for rows. Columns for
1: rows, um, so that you can display your data scrolling horizontally or vertically. And the great thing about the way, at least I think the great thing about the way we've um, implemented this, is that you don't have to have fields for the columns or rows. Those columns or rows can be driven by data rather than fields, right. so you don't have to change your schema for reporting needs, which you would have had to do before. before yeah, the, in- the integration
0: this. was really amazing. I've, I've uh, integrated with a couple different solutions, and it was so easy to do. I mean, yeah, th- uh, thanks. We uh, we tried to make that you know drop dead simple, and and
1: we figure if if we can do work to save the end users' work, it's it's time well spent.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot of time I think to make it that easy to use is, is probably as much or more work than actually just building the pivot logic i would say
1: yeah yeah it was it was it was a fair amount of work but uh but we think the time was We think the time paid off and the ease of integration. We we have a video where we integrate it with a, a couple different tools. I think in our sneak preview videos, we even integrated it with FM search results to show something that, you know, everybody should be familiar with and how easy it is to integrate. And it takes, I think, you know, once I've got the practice down, it takes me about a minute to integrate. And I think for our new users, it's taking them as much as three or four minutes to do the integration, you know, so... It took, took me
0: five. What's that say? Five. Huh? Well, that, what that says is you're building more complex solutions than most people. Or I'm old and slow. <laughs> I'm going to go with that last one. Yeah, well, <laughs> honest rather than proud. That's probably a good good angle to take. Actually, no. I think what it is is I thought, oh, I can do this. I don't need to read the, the silly documentation. And then yeah, well, I did it wrong, and then I looked, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's actually easier than I thought. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, actually, we've had a couple people. You know, look for the next step that that isn't actually there. Yeah. There is no step three. (laughs) Step three is is success. Right.
0: So let's see. Uh, So the process of integrating it, which is so easy, is basically you open up your solution and you don't have to make any changes whatsoever to it. Right. So you don't have to make any
1: changes in, the, in in your solution. And we built this because we know people are going to be adding this to existing systems. Right. So what we're doing is we're asking people to recreate their table occurrences that they want to report on in our solution. We sell this thing completely unlocked. So what you do is you go into our, um, our relationship graph, which is really simple, and you just drop a table occurrence down for any table you want to report on. Um, so if you just want to report on a single table, you put one table occurrence on the graph, close the system, go to the settings, hit refresh, and all your fields are there. What's cool about this is it also supports related data for reporting, and those relationships are built right in our solution too. So if you have, for example, uh, invoices and an invoice lines, you can just put an invoices table occurrence and an invoice line table occurrence, draw one line, and then you can use our interface file as kind of a reporting interface file, so you can recreate just those reporting layouts that you need, or those reporting relationships Sorry, that you need, without having to create your whole relationship graph and that way you can have a separate relationship graph just for reporting yeah once you've drawn those the fields and all their related fields just kind of show up in the interface then you can pick the ones you want to report on there's no no layout requirements no added fields you don't have to copy and paste any scripts none of that stuff it's really just drop table occurrence on hit refresh win
0: i don't know maybe you're the three steps that's, that was pretty much what it was like for me, and I integrated it with a couple of different things. Um, and then if you if you have multiple different pools of data, uh, you can integrate it. You can just make a copy of a solution and say this this one here is for the invoicing system, and this other one here is for the you know accounting or something.
1: Yeah, you could do one for accounting, one for production, one for sales, you know, and... And keep them completely separate.
0: Yep, but each one of them can actually have several different stored pivot reports. And the thing that I love is it puts the power of building the report in the user's hands so that the developer does not have to do it. Right, and
1: we really thought that this would be the kind of thing that a developer could integrate, give users the interface file that they need. And we tried to build really lean interface files so that a developer could skin them the way they want to if they feel like it. Um, deploy it to the users, and then they can go to town just like they would with Excel. But now the developer doesn't have to give them export to Excel features. They don't have to expose, you know, a lot of fields to them that they don't necessarily need, you know, and they don't have to go to
0: another tool. They can do it right here. So you went to pretty great lengths to build this. What what inspired you to do that? Well, you know, we were looking at um, what FileMaker had
1: done with the, the graphing and the charting that they'd added, and we thought it was pretty cool, but we thought that you know, there, there still remain this hole in FileMaker's reporting capability. And, and we had recently had a user ask for the ability to export some pretty complex data, related data, to Excel to create a pivot table. And we thought, you know, this is not one of those things that that we should have to jump through the export to Excel hoops every time. I mean, Excel does some things well, but, you know, we like to see FileMaker, you know, win more in the, you know, in the user,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the user experience. We thought, this can't be that hard. Um, to do it turned out to be a little harder than we thought, um, but it, but it was really one of those things that was driven initially by a user request to to get something done, and then as we looked at it, we thought, you know, when we go to deploy this, FileMaker gives us this great tool in a web data viewer that if we can organize the data the right way, it really comes down to just a couple, you know fairly complicated steps, but you know, once you get them down, it's not that hard. You got have to gather the data up, you have to format it, and then you can just display it in a web data viewer. Mm-hmm. Once we came up with the idea of putting it in a web data viewer, that let us go to a lot more formatting options. We could really speed the process up by using a, we, di- we uh, released this with a custom plugin we built that we give away with a solution for the per user base. And with that plugin, that lets us do a lot of the heavy lifting outside of FileMaker's engine, and removes it from the user's need to integrate. That, that's why the integration comes so easily. We do the data gathering with the SQL call. Um, that's why we just need the the, the um, table occurrence on the graph, mm-hmm. and then we do all the data formatting in Java, which gives us, you know, the ability to, you know, use a lot faster calculation engine than FileMaker gives us for doing mm-hmm. some of the big sorts on, you know. You know, some of our tests we were running up to 10 and 100 million records, and some of those things in FileMaker and FileMaker's native calculation engine just weren't just weren't coming through in a reasonable time frame. So when we started doing some of that stuff in Java, it sped it way up and uh, let us deploy a solution that was really pretty lean to deploy and, and still stayed pretty quick even at large data sets.
0: It'll actually deal with a table of 100 million records. Um, it will.
1: It's it's. As long as the data that you draw back, so if the table has 100 million records in it, we have two steps that we have to do. We have to go get the data. And the nice thing is is since we're just dealing with a table occurrence and not a relationship and not a layout – When SQL goes to get the data, it doesn't matter how many records are in the table. It matters how many are returned from the SQL call. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you have a lean return on the SQL call, if we're returning, you know, a million, 10 million records, then it's just a matter of organizing and sorting those records. Um, And Java is really fast for that kind of calculation. And that, that actually works out not too badly. And then the only the only real limitation we hit sometimes is if we're displaying more data than the particular computer can hold memory, Filemaker can't show that in the web data viewer, and so that becomes our real limitation and that's hard to document per user because it has to do with you know what the what the machine will allocate to memory for for the web data viewer display hmm. but we we ran tests on you know you know a hundred million record table, returning a million records, and it was it was pretty quick under a minute for for even a complex pivot table.
0: I'll have to try it on my one billion record data set. Oh yeah. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> it doesn't have good data to summarize though. Yeah. Well you know, one of the things we did is um
1: since we're doing this in FileMaker, um, but we're trying to reproduce an Excel style functionality with pivot tables. Yeah. Um we had to build our own um for lack of a better term and don't and don't, you know, don't take me to task too much on this term, but we had to build our own calculation engine model because when you're starting to talk about pivot tables, you want to do stuff to this data. You want to sum it or average it or count it Mm -hmm. or, you know mean or median. and So when you start talking about those calculations, if we used FileMaker's internal calculation engine for it, we could have just used the evaluate function, and then we, we could have exposed anything FileMaker can do. Um, but the downside to doing that is we'd have to use FileMaker's calculation engine and across a lot of records that, that started to get really, really slow. So we had to rebuild those calculations that we offer um, in, in Java. And so we have just a few of those um, exposed. But with things like count, um, even non-numerical stuff sometimes can create some pretty interesting pivot tables. So you can, you know, count customers by state and things like that. Right. right. So even for non-numeric, even for non-financial stuff, sometimes some interesting pivot tables. When we were doing sample data, we were you know, swiping data, for lack of a better term, from the publicly available government data repositories. That's how we were getting some tables with, you know, 100 million and 10 million records in it. Oh, yeah,
0: like at data.gov or something?
1: Right, exactly. And some of those are hard to summarize because they don't really give you good raw data. It's all very, you know, sliced, and some of it's already pre-summarized. So we were were doing some count tests, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it turns out pretty interesting sometimes.
0: So which plugin did you use? Did you use a... Uh, like a 360 works one and make your own version of Scriptmaster?
1: yeah exactly we use 360 works ScriptMaster advance which we're big fans of little shout out to those guys over 360 works but that is a great plug-in and we were able to use that to to roll our own plug-in um and they give us the the base code to get up and running very quickly and so we use that and since you know uh kevin vile who's the developer in our company who did a majority of the heavy lifting on this um, is really good at Java development and, and SQL development. He was able to, you know, dive in under the hood and get to the get to the Java engine and and just go to town there. Hmm.
0: I guess I sort of guessed that it was just using regular FileMaker variables and stuff like that. But it's good to know that's the way it gets its speed is by using the plugin calls.
1: Right. It uses the plugin calls, and then we get to get back right to just to the core Java. And you know, so when we're going to do a count, for example, or a min, or a max. We're doing that in our own Java you know our own little Java code that we wrote, so we can make it really efficient just for what we 're doing
0: so then when you display the data as we as you said you 're showing it in a web viewer, and as cool as that is, the the downsides well, but I guess you can get around are printing and exporting how do you get how do you do those things
1: right so um, you 're exactly right. the web data viewer is not a great place for for display in filemaker because, as you said it doesn 't export or print nicely. So what we did is two things. Um, we have a print button, and what we do for the print button is we just open that up in the default web viewer, or the defo- default web browser. Sorry. Um, and so that what that does, that moves it over a w- to your web browser and gives you all the standard print page up and uh, print and page setup mm-hmm. options that you have over there. And uh, since it's in the web data viewer here, what we do is we just export a temp file and just open it up in the in the browser, whatever your default OS browser is. And it actually looks pretty nice. It comes across pretty well. And then, you know, for export, it's the same thing. You can either print and then just not print, or you can click on the web data of your copy, um, and then you can paste it in pretty much anything because that's just a standard HTML table, the way we're building it. So you can paste yeah. it into Excel or
0: whatever. That was way easier than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, okay, this isn't a web viewer. How am I going to get the data? So I just click into it, select all, copy, go to numbers or Excel, paste, boom, done. Yep, and it comes across pretty well. <laughs> yeah, um, perfectly. We found a little disparity since Excel you know, has had about
1: 1,000 versions over the course of its life we tested with a few of them and some of them it comes across better than others but all of them it comes across in a very readable format you know that's all broken up into cells and some of them it it does a, a an odd cell span or row span hmm. thing but but for all of them it's usable and for some of them it's actually very nice and very clean all the newer ones it's very nice and clean so cool. and the the user feedback on that has been pretty positive a couple people would like us to build an export to excel button but, you know, we don't want to do too much on the integration side. We we prefer to leave that in the hands of the people who are integrating it, you know, the, the developers on the, the end, because, you know, that's going to come down to how they want their users to be using it.
0: Yeah, I, actually, I, I would count myself in the camp of wanting that button because I really want to empower the low-level users who wouldn't even guess you could copy and paste the results into Excel. Oh,
1: and so okay.
0: Having a, and I bet there's a script master call that can just do those functions and make a file on disk, you know. Um. Yeah, we
1: could make the file on disk. We could make a CSV um, or something like that. That would be a standard import. We want for us, it's always a it's a hard line to to decide where to cross. You want to keep adding features. You want to get the product out. Right. Um, that's definitely a feature that's going to make a version. Um, whether that's you know version one point five, version two. We want to make sure to implement it in a way that's as clean as we feel integration ended up being, where it works for everybody really easily. And since there are so many different versions of Excel, we want to make sure to get something that's that's gonna. You know, that's never gonna fail. I should say, for lack right. of a better term. Sure. You know? Or, or as you know, John from Seed Code is fond of saying. A, a phrase of his I like to quote is, "If it fails, failed quickly and loudly, just so <laughs> you know it's gonna happen." You know. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. I'm I'm oh. all for that
1: and you know just one thing you know can kind of a technical side on the on the one of the pros we get out of doing this in the web data viewer is on the formatting um, one of the things that we're doing for formatting is we're just using raw css for the formatting for this so if you go into the settings of this uh, uh, of cc pivot there's a place to actually just copy and paste um, css formatting and that that shows up as styles that you can use so as a developer you can empower your users with as many formatting styles and options as you want and for your end users If they're not comfortable with FileMaker formatting, you know, or HTML formatting, we just expose the CSS and they can kind of play around in that and... And, and we think it's a really powerful way for people to get some really complex formatting pretty easily. Yep. CSS is a little more normalized than, you know, fiddling around with FileMaker layouts. You don't have to expose the, the roots of the uh, the roots of a report layout for users to change the way it looks.
0: Right. It gives you an easy way to control what kind of colors and shading you want for the column headers and stuff like that. Now, what about other types of formatting? Like, uh, for example, some of the data that you might graph might not... Um, be decimal, so all the numbers are whole. But if you run the the pivot now, it all it shows dot .0 after all the numbers. Is there a way to turn that that sort of thing off in CSS?
1: There, well, there's two ways to. There, there is a way to turn that off in CSS, but we wanted to, since that's one of those things that's really relevant to the, the data return to the fields, mm-hmm. um, we've actually included a way to modify that right in the, the pivot build. So when you're dragging data fields to, to report on, we let you rename the headers, we let you perform your operations, your sum or your average, then we also have a format field there. And so you can format that as currency or as whole numbers or really anything that, that Java understands. Um, is available there. Hmm. So we have a few in there by default, you know, currency, rounded zero, rounded zero percent, stuff like that. But anything that you can type in there that's a standard Java format, and this is documented in our help, works. So you could type in any Java formatting code there and get pretty much anything that, that you want. I mean, Java formatting is pretty powerful. Hmm. So there's not much you couldn't pull off there. And I don't think you could turn data into pictures, but about anything else is fair game.
0: It's pretty powerful for sure. How's the sales going? Is it
1: as well as you hoped? You know, you—it's always possible to dream larger than reality. But the sales are going pretty well. We've got really good responses. Um, the people who have used it seem to be pretty, pretty big fans of it, and the sales are going pretty well. We're not, you know, we're not—I'm I'm not having this call with you from my new island in the South Pacific or anything. But, but it's been pretty successful so far. Well, so I think it's we're, we're probably really helping.
0: Probably a lot of people are going to be on the same course I'm on, right? As soon as I saw this, I played with the demo. I go, I have to buy that. So I bought a personal copy for me, and I immediately started evangelizing it to the people, to my main clients, who who will be buying a server license of it, you know, $1,000 or $800 or whatever for that, um, so that we could use it on a lot more solutions than… And, uh, right, rather than just the one department or the one. Right. right, right.
1: Get a site license, get it up for everybody, and that's what we're expecting. We've had, you know, we've had a ton of single user sales, just like you said. A lot of people have bought the single user, and now we're just starting to see, you know, now that we've been out a month, we're just starting to see some some of the larger, you know, sites and some of the larger group work group licenses being bought. So I think a lot of people are doing exactly what you said, and so I kind of expected that, and that's why I say, you know, it's not like. Everybody bought it, but we've gotten some good press. You know, FileMaker made a little announcement about it in their TechNet um, bulletin. We were a featured solution there, and, and we've gotten some good traffic, so we're, we're very happy with it.
0: So it's what 79 bucks for single user, and then what are the next pricing levels? So
1: 79 bucks for a single user, and then it kind of goes up from there in in nice convenient groups. Um, we've got a two to five work group. We wanted to get something for just small work groups, mm-hmm. um, and that's um, one nine uh, one one ninety nine, I believe. And then we've got uh, 6 to 10, that's uh, $299, and um, uh, 11 to 25, which is 499 and then the site, I think, is the last one, which is just under a grand.
0: Yeah, that's the one I want. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, that, and we figured we'd do it that way because, you know, for, a, for an organization, for a larger organization, that seemed pretty reasonable, and that way they just don't worry, have to worry about the
0: licensing from there. This seems like it's equally useful for in-house developers as well as consultants, for basically any type of filemaker user.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, we, we wanted it to be, we, you know, we wanted to make something that had a lot of power for a, you know, a good, robust developer who's doing this every day, um, but still had enough features in there where uh, an in-house developer could take it, deploy it for his users, get something up and running, and still be very successful with it. So.
0: So if if you wanted to really go to town with this and integrate it so that you didn't need the file that you ship, but copy all of its components into an existing solution, uh, for example, if you have a file at a hosting company, you, you don't want to increase your file count, what's involved in that?
1: That is um, quite a bit more work, but not outside the realm of possibility. There's no magic under the hood. It, the layouts aren't too specific. So you don't really need our layouts, but you do need all the you do need many of the components from our layouts. Mm-hmm. You'd need the custom functions where we do a lot of the heavy lifting for calling the plugin calls. You'd need our custom plugin, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you have um, FileMaker Pro Advanced, though, you can copy the custom functions over. Um, then you would copy the fields over. You'd copy the scripts over. And then you just have to recreate our layouts or copy and paste the layouts into new ones. The layout names don't matter, but the some of the objects on the layouts do matter. We're getting to the web data viewer by object name and things like that. Sure. So you'd want to copy that stuff over. It's pretty standard file consolidation um, for everybody who's been around since the you know FileMaker 6 to 7 switch where we went from our 50 table 50 file solutions mm-hmm. to a 50 table 2 file solution. You now those of us who did those conversions back then are are probably you know far more familiar than we ever wanted to be with how to consolidate files down. And so it's just a matter of copying everything over and, you know, in the right order, yeah, in the right order, just making sure that everything links up. But there's no there's no real magic under the hood. You could consolidate that file down and not have to deal
0: with it at all if you didn't want to. Okay. I I might on my solution. I'm I'm yeah, still deciding. I mean-
1: You know, we, we, when in our development, we do very much a separation model. So we often have a reporting file anyway. And so if we're building from scratch, we would use this as the foundation for our reporting file. And if we were going to integrate, we'd move it, you know, we'd move it ourselves. We'd copy and paste all this stuff over.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to kind of go that way too. I think in, in a lot, in larger solutions, as they get more successful, having sort of a data warehouse or a reporting file that's flattened and has an automatic update routine from the main. System and doesn't have the same security on it. Right, I think that has a lot of benefit in a lot of situations. Well, um, right,
1: then you're not doing your big heavy lifting reporting in the live used everyday file. Um, yeah,
0: and, yeah, and and the cost of having extra fields isn't such a big deal. It doesn't hit hit every user every time they create a record.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then you can build you can build your relationship graph with a different with a different goal in mind right you know your relationship graph for the everyday file the you know the making orders the fulfilling orders often has to be more complex than your reporting graph and sometimes not even the same so it's nice to be able to separate those tasks out
0: sure and then that allows you to in your main solution follow the rules uh, you know make it really well normalized but in your report file it could be very flattened and not well normalized which makes it much more friendly for reporting much more friendly before and oftentimes much much peppier, you know, a lot a lot faster
1: in many yes, ways. Yes, that's true. And in FileMaker, you know, we're always we're always trying to eke out that last you know few bits of percentage speed wise. FileMaker FileMaker teaches us a lot of lessons about efficiency.
0: I think any system does. Yeah,
1: yeah. I you're mean, probably right.
0: You can write a SQL call on the highest end Oracle database, and if you do it wrong, it'll take, you know. A really long time to run, and if you make a couple tweaks in code, it runs instantaneously. So, yeah, yeah. I think the That's same thing is true in FileMaker. It's just we just have a different pain point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe it's I mean, maybe it's easier.
1: <laughs> I think I think part of the reason we feel it, you know at least from my perce- perception is oftentimes in in what I would consider more complex tools like an oracle or something like that the people building the interface and the people building the warehouse are very different people you know schema and interface people are very different but in filemaker we're expected to have a foot in both worlds totally. you know, We're both interface designers and architecture designers and and so we really f- you know we're, we're you know in in an oracle world those two camps are sometimes at odds the guys building the interface are telling what what's necessary and the guys building the architecture telling them what they should be doing right you know and in this camp we're you know we're our own enemy or our own ally depending on <laughs> how good we are at both sides of that argument
0: yeah that's Hopefully true and we're i think our own ally <laughs> i hope so too and i really do think that a, a successful file maker developer really tries to pay close attention to both of those things it's really hard to do because i think most of the developers you talk to will say oh i'm really good at interface but not so good at the data modeling and or vice versa or vice
1: versa yeah Mm -hmm. and it's I think I think that's a great point I think the the really successful developers both see and understand the balance necessary there you know you'll find people that have stumbled into the balance but I think if they spend any time there they'll realize how valuable that that balanced experience
0: is yeah or they work with people where they can if they realize they're not a good at UI they, they find someone who's really good at it you know
1: yeah exactly
0: and that's one of those things that's, you know,
1: finding someone that's good at UI is, is, is good, but you have to find somebody who's good, I think, at FileMaker UI, too, because, you know, you have to know what's possible and what's, you know, what FileMaker wants to do in some ways. Yeah.
0: I've actually hired graphic designers, some in the past, to say, forget about FileMaker, let's not worry about that. What's a good user interface? You know, what kind of colors and schemes and spacing and, and other types of things are, are going to make this easy and understandable? and then don't damage them with FileMaker. To some degree. Has it? You
1: know, we did that for a a client system that that the client wanted to turn it into a product. And so we thought, let's get a a good user interface designer. We hired someone, you know, an an outside firm. And many of the changes they sent back were changes to FileMaker native widgets. For example, they changed all the scroll bars on portals and text boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they did things like that that I thought, well, you know, I I mean, I, I... I buy it. I like your scroll bars better, but you know, yeah. for this interface, those would be better scroll bars, but those are kind of outside my control. I'm not going to build custom web data of your widgets for every, right. every scrolling data display, just so I can use a custom scroll bar.
0: Yeah. So that wasn't the level that I was kind of looking for. I, I, I try to tell these uh, UI people said, don't worry about the things that FileMaker does that are, that are different or that we don't get a, a large palette of controls. And portal scroll bars are really one of those for sure. Um, of course, working with a FileMaker Go, you don't want any portals, really. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Portals are not your friend in Go. Yeah, you want long layouts that are lists. That's, that's what yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. So Finger-flipping fl- scrolls. I think a lot of that you can just look at applications that are really beautiful and copy from that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and that's what we've done, you know, is, is just try and keep an eye on the industry and, you know, learn and see what people are doing. You know there's a there's a lot of great designers out there designing applications in Filemaker and in other platforms, and I think there's a lot of good design lessons to
0: be learned from just you know keeping an eye to the eye to the market yeah, for sure. I take a lot of inspiration from websites actually and yeah we do too we
1: do a lot of we do a lot of browsing websites for interface ideas. Because I think there's a lot of good stuff being done out there, and I think FileMaker is moving more and more towards that type of model of application deployment. You know, we're not, you know, we're not a software as a service kind of development environment yet, but the I think the the development world is going towards towards more of a, a web interface model, you know, and I think FileMaker community is starting to starting to see that. I'm yeah. seeing you know web data viewers used more. I'm seeing web standards used more in in FileMaker systems that we're seeing built. You know,
0: I still think the web's a fad yeah not going to catch on huh well i don 't know. I think a couple three four hundred years you know people are only going to hear about it in history books. you
1: think so i remember when <laughs> I remember when the first graphical web browser was built this is a way back machine yeah. conversation, I guess, but I remember when Mosaic,
0: uh-huh. which
1: I think of as the first graphical web browser it 's the first one I stumbled 1.0, across yeah. And I remember back then I was telnetting for internet access. And I remember thinking, this graphical web browser is going to ruin the internet. People are just going to put all kinds of junk out there now. And I don't know if that ended up being true or not. I don't know if it <laughs> ruined it. I don't know if it's all kinds of junk out there. But I remember you know, being one of those guys that had internet access before there was a graphical browser and thinking, this is going to, this is going to jack this whole internet thing up. That's it. It's the beginning of the end. I didn't think that when I saw it. But I was one of those old... Old school internet.
0: Yeah, I was old school, too. Geeks, I guess. I have had a CompuServe account back in the day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) With my... uh, uh, Well, my first computer was before... It was an 83. It was before the Mac came out. Yeah. It was an IBM PC clone with 256K of RAM. There you go. Yeah. I remember those. Two floppy drives because I couldn't afford a hard drive.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first hard drive I bought thinking, there's no way I'm ever going to fill up the... 10 meg, I had meg. or something.
0: Yeah, my first was a 5 meg hard drive, and it was about the size of a shoebox. Yep. So loud. I'm now sure I've
1: got fonts on my machine that are over 10 meg now.
0: Yeah, now I have a, a 16 gig uh, USB thumb drive that's the size of a fingernail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Okay, and I, and I'm regretting
1: only getting the terabyte drive
0: in my machine. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. When you could have got the, the two terabyte or. Yeah. yeah exactly. Anyway,
1: that has nothing to do with FileMaker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love how storage has changed so greatly over the years. Uh, More than anything else, the cost of storage has plummeted, and that has a lot of implications. It does, and it has implications for some of the systems we build,
1: too. I mean, it has implications for the way users expect data to be available.
0: Yeah, people still care about how many records are in the table and how big the file is. It doesn't matter at all. Nope. Nope. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we get users all the time saying, well, I'm going to need to archive, or, you know, clients wondering what they're going to have to do for archive, you know. Are we going to have to archive these records yearly? I say, well, you you can. We we could put an archive flag on the table, and so you don't have to look at them. But I wouldn't take them out of the table. You might want them sometime. Right. You know, you're only making, you know, you're only creating, you know, 20,000 orders a year, 50,000 orders a year. You don't need to archive these. Right. We will have replaced your system before you exceed the record count. Don't worry about it. have replaced it with some sort of cerebral interface system (laughs) i'm so
0: looking forward to that so so um as you went through the process of turning this into a product and it seems like pieces and parts of it you did for specific clients um what what types of things did you learn about really doing that whole finish process
1: well, it was interesting. For us, the, 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 you know, the inception idea was you know this client request, but we thought you know, this seemed to be something that uh, uh, could, could have some legs in the product space, and we've, we've done a couple smaller products before. Um, so when we dove into this, we really wanted to make something. We had a couple goals. We wanted to make it really easy to integrate, and so a lot of our work was spent making sure that integration process was incredibly simple. Um, and then we wanted. Then the the rest of our thought process went around making sure to draw the lines in the right place. We wanted to give users as much power as we could, without, you know, without making it hard to use. And that that was a that was a line that came through a few rounds of you know closed and open beta testing. And we we had a lot of users give us some really good feedback on that. And I think we drew the lines in the right places for that. Um, one of the things we wanted to do was to make sure to expose as much under the hood stuff as we could for users who wanted the experience of the power, but hide it from users who weren't comfortable with it. Um, I'll give you a great example of that in the product. One of the things um, that we've been able to do since we're using Java for so much of the heavy lifting is that Java engine is actually exposed to the users um, for pre-formatting of the data. So if you go under the settings tab in the system, there's a JavaScript field and we just open up the javascript that we're using and expose that custom javascript to users um they can include jquery commands they can include any javascript that they can type in to format that data any way they want to so they can kind of go to town with the data and we wanted to expose that that's the kind of thing that we had to build for us like that that javascript had to be there for us to highlight the header rows for example so we had to make Java. the header row a special object.
0: Java Java makes the header. JavaScript, right? Well, Java is under
1: the hood for the plug-in. Right. since we had Java there, we could pass JavaScript calls for all the stuff that we could have hard-coded. Like, if we were building this just for a client, Mm -hmm. we would hard-code things, like, to make the... Um, to make the header columns a special object. If we're going to format those headers differently with CSS, mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to make those a different object. So we do that in JavaScript. If we were just building this for ourselves, we would have just buried that in the plugin or in one of the scripts. Right. But since we were building this as a product, we thought there's no reason not to expose this to the users. Not every user is going to want to dive into JavaScript and create custom objects. But if anybody does, the, the burden for us to include that as an option for the users to use was so light... That there was no reason for us not to make that available to them. And so it's, that's the sort of thing that we did. Hmm. Um, and that JavaScript, the JavaScript we use is in the same place that we um, expose the JavaScript for other users. So our JavaScript is right there for users to learn from or mock, depending on their relative skill to ours. And they can, they can go to town and do whatever they want. They can modify ours. They can add their own. They can use ours as templates for theirs. Same thing with the CSS we did with the styling um and we did that a few other places too like the separators we're using when we return the data we have to have some sort of column separator and end row separator and we've exposed what we're doing there so that in case a user happens to have a pipe asterisk pipe asterisk pipe in their data someplace they can swap that out for something else Hmm. and then one other thing we did um and this is this is explained in the help but i'm I, i always try and make sure that users know this we are gathering a little usage data I actually got this tip from this great guy I talked to at the latest Pause on Air called Matt Navarre, who told me about this ability to use Google Analytics to (laughs) um, query a little bit of usage data. So, since we've got web data viewers on there, we're actually looking to see who's using. The layouts to make sure that we're using the that we're building the system in the right way, and so that's another thing that we did that we wouldn't have done for a custom system.
0: You got really excited when you figured out that I, I did. That is that. a great tip. It is a good tip. I actually well, I didn't invent it. It was uh I first saw it from Jeff Huff at pre one. It was uh oh, okay. Well, maybe he did invent it, but it was definitely a great idea. To I, I use that really heavily. I put it on a little widget on every layout, and then I can later on look and see what layouts users are not using and what they're really heavily used. And so you, it's a really good guide for development way yeah. easier than writing that code in FileMaker. Exactly. And you know, one thing
1: that we did is since we don't, since our system is very layout light, right? There's only about four layouts in the mm-hmm. system, you know, and one of them's help and one of them settings. The other two are a simple and complex version of the report layout. I think so, right. You know, there's just not very many layouts yeah, so But since we're in FileMaker we can send some custom tags up. So what we're sending up is no, no data, no user data, because that's all, that's all in the web data viewer anyways. Mm-hmm. But what we're sending is how many slices are people asking for? How many filters are people using? And how much time is it taking to return those calls? Because we want to find where there's inefficiencies. We want to find where the system could be made faster. So just an account kind of way, people are asking for, you know, four data fields, six slicers, two filters, and it's taking 30 seconds to return a million records. Hmm. Well, that seems fine to us. Yeah. But But if once they cross over to a fifth filter, it started taking, you know... Five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes. We'd want to know that. We'd want to look and see: is there's some sort of inefficiency going on when a filter count starts to get larger? Because we tested this a lot, but you know, not the same way as you know. We've got dozens of users now. You know, I haven't checked the user count, but you know, we're we're pushing a hundred users of this system now, and we didn't have that kind of regular beta testing over right. the course of six months, a year. Hopefully, we'll get some really good feedback on where we can find other you know efficiencies to continue to speed this up. Uh, So you have Google Analytics in the shipping version? We do. We We have a Google Analytics tag, and it's talked about in the help just so nobody thinks we're trying to pull a fast one on anybody. Right. But what we're doing is we're just getting very, very basic anonymous usage data. And actually, for anybody who's still feeling uneasy about that, there is a tag in the settings under the advanced tab to turn that off. There's an Allow Anonymous Usage Statistic Gathering checkbox, and if you uncheck it, we stop getting it. You stop sending well, it to
0: us. most programs, it seems like, lately, uh, have that option, right? If you go to iTunes, they can say, hey, do you want us to be able to monitor what you're doing so that we can make the thing better? And you can opt in or opt out. Right, tons and of, that's, that's, what,
1: that's all we've done. And sure. since, we're, since we're sending data our way anyways, we thought there's no reason not to send a little specific data for
0: this solution. You know? Sure, Definitely. I would personally leave that turned on, knowing that it's going to help make the product better. We just wanted to expose it, because you never know. And uh, in some
1: organizations, that just may be against policy, and we wanted to give people an option to turn it off.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, in the public health stuff I work on, if we make a call to a specific website from within any product, that website has to actually be turned on. (laughs) They have to specifically allow it to be seen. Wow. yeah, Yeah, from the Citrix environment on the server.
1: So as long as someone's allowed Google at some point in time, as long as someone in the healthcare industry has used Google before, well, yeah, but it's through.
0: Google-analytics.com or whatever. Yeah, is what
1: analytics.google.com or something. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. The subdomain would have to have been allowed. And it might not be. Might not be. Man, that's fine. You know, I mean, the product success or failure doesn't live on it. But we right. we, wanna, we want to we want we're hoping for the opportunity to make it better. Hopefully, this has some some sort of lifespan to it.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a winner. It's, it's certainly solved. I mean, the first thing I thought when I looked at it, I go, oh, there's a, there's a problem. There's something the user's been asking me to do for a really long time for this one particular report. And it just never got to the top ten of my priority list. Right. And when I saw CZ Pivot, it was like, that's the solution. Done. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad. I'm. Gl- we're, we're hearing a lot of that where it's
1: just filling this perfect niche for some things. And it seemed like, for us, it seemed like such an obvious You know once we thought about it once it once the idea came to mind it seemed like such an obvious hole to fill you know filemaker does so many things great in reporting but you know they just don't have a good pivot table solution you know if you want to report on data and summarize it by data points and not fields that's you know that's kind of tricky and then when you get to the i want to scroll horizontally or vertically
0: that's trickier still yeah definitely that was the really big one (laughs) for me yeah
1: and we've had a couple users pick it up just for the horizontal scrolling they're not actually looking to summarize you know both vertically and horizontally yeah they, you know, they look don't at, want summaries right. both ways they just want them out to they just want to scroll out to the right
0: right individual record data but not yep. uh, yeah yeah yeah
1: not field data but record data scrolling out to the right and that's that alone i mean we we almost thought you know if if it's going to be really slow that alone would be a tool you know not CC Pivot but CC Horizontal Scrolling or something <laughs> that
0: needs a better name that probably needs a better
1: name I'm not sure I'm not sure that would have resonated but. Yeah,
0: no. well Court thanks very much for your time today oh you bet
1: Matt I really enjoyed it I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you it's been fun